everybody, it's Blake. And this is Drew. And you're listening to Lock, Stock, and Two Smoke Controllers Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 65 of the podcast. Uh, If you're familiar with the flow of our podcast, you might know what time it is. And if you're a new listener, you probably don't know what time it is. It's time for us to do another one of our Gamefly episodes. It's a a thing we do every... Every one that ends in five. Yeah, every episode that that ends in the number five. Uh, So every ten episodes, we do a, a Gamefly episode. And what that means is... We go down through our Gamefly rent, rental history, and we pick three games that we sent back without completing. And this episode was going to cover uh, why we sent those games back. These episodes are usually sometimes shorter than others, which which is perfectly perfectly fine because sometimes we don't have a lot of details on these games because we didn't play them very long. We're hoping that maybe uh, even though these games weren't for us. They might strike a nerve for somebody else or might might be interesting for somebody else. There is a relatively popular game we're, we're going to do last. A, a game that's made kind of a big splash that we unfortunately didn't like. We're going to do on the tail end here. You'll probably heard the name when we get to it. Before we jump into that, I'm going to bust through our, what are we now calling our internet presence real fast. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Discord. Those are all the places where you can re- interact with the podcast and follow us to see what the, the goings on, the ins and outs, what we're doing, what we're playing, what what and when we stream. And of course, by streaming, I do mean on Twitch when we can. Our last game, we couldn't stream. It was blocked for some reason. Uh, it takes two. We may start streaming a new game today. Of course, you won't know about this. Will be when I say today. Now it'll be a week from now to anybody listening. But if you follow us on Twitch, you'll you'll, you'll get notifications of when we stream. And I post about our streamings on our Facebook and our Twitter account. We have a Patreon, of course. I think all pa- all podcasts, probably any size and shape, have a Patreon of sorts. It's just a way to support uh, the people like us that do the do the work of making a podcast. If you really enjoy what we're doing, you could chuck a few bucks our way. You get right now, you'll get the unedited episodes a week in advance. You get the episode the episode today. Uh, I'll post it right after we get done recording. And we have a, a, another tier, which is uh, you pick something off of uh, Game Pass. Something either single player that you want to see us either play or struggle through or something... Uh, Something to play with us if you want to. We'll we'll do that too. It don't, it don't really matter to us. I have a Spotify playlist that I'll be adding to today. It is a playlist of all the bands that I've recommended for you to listen to. The song that I play on the podcast is on the will be on the playlist with the rest of them. Right now, behind this, you're hearing some music. I've got uh, one 
uh, one music track from a friend of mine and I got some music tracks from a work friend of my fiance Jessica's. If you're a music creator yourself and like to hear your music played played on the po- played on a podcast a little bit, you can submit it to us through uh, our email, which is the number two smoking controllers at gmail.com and I'll take I'll take a listen. If I like it of course you'll hear your own music playing in the background here and I'll give you a shout out at this moment. We have a uh, lock, the Lock, Stock, and Two Smoke Controller store. It has everything you think a podcast would have for random merch. We have, we have a normal stuff plus a few random things. Still waiting for somebody to buy that pair of underwear. I'm not going to buy it. But maybe somebody else will. A little cross promotion. Uh, spawning off the back of this show, we did start another podcast. It's Action, the movie podcast. That one is actually hosted by Blake and our real good friend Steve. They uh, throw movies back and forth at each other, and then talk and then talk about them on there. And there's that's a, a simple description of the podcast, but it's definitely worth listening to. I uh, produce and edit and speak lightly, as I try not to speak as much on that podcast. We're going to keep promoting Blake's self-published story on Amazon Kindle. If you're a Kindle Unlimited subscriber, it's already in your library, of course. And if you want to support Blake further it's the purchase is only 99 cents or a dollar I forget which one it is you can find it by searching they come this night on Amazon it pops up right away links to everything in here that I've said you can be found in the show notes I know some people don't like searching for things whatever but if you just click on the show notes on your phone that you're listening to right now and scroll down to one of these things click and like and subscribe and all that fun stuff so you can keep up with us and what we're doing I think that's all I got right now. I don't think I missed anything. And we'll let Blake take over here with the uh, the first game on our list of three for this episode. The first game we're going to be diving into is No More Heroes, the Switch version. Heroes HD. Sure. <laughs> HD as it could get. Now, originally, No More Heroes was released exclusively for the Wii in 2007. We didn't play it back then. We didn't really play a whole lot of Wii games. No. It's since gone on to be on... Uh, well, it was weird. I think it was like Japan only, but it was on PlayStation and Xbox in Japan. And... Anyway, uh, the Switch version came out in 2020, so it's a fairly recent uh, port, I guess. I think they, I think, uh, I think three was at the time. I think they've since moved. I think three was going to be a Switch exclusive, and they thought, I guess they thought to do that, they need to release one and two mm-hmm. up there. And there's another, there's another fourth game that's like a prequel. It's like a yeah, I forget what it's called. We're not, we're not terribly into the No More Heroes. Franchise, which we'll talk about here in a minute. It's, it's, it, in theory, it sounds like something we'd be really into, but the first game kind of rubbed us the wrong way. Mm-hmm. So the, the the developer for No More Heroes is Grasshopper Manufacturer. Uh, it was founded in 1998 
and is currently rocking about 20 plus employees. Uh, they have, however, managed to put out 29 games, which is which is quite a few. We've probably played a lot of the uh, 360 era, Xbox 360 era forward. We've yeah. played a lot of Grasshopper games. We've actually beat, I think, quite a few Grasshopper games. Um, but that's why I, was, I figured we, we, we would tear through this one. Yeah, so uh, just to kind of ramble a few of them off, there's Cena Mora, which seems to be like a, an adventure game. Yeah, Cena Mora, I'm pretty sure, is a uh, bullet hill. On the 360. Oh, maybe that's what it was. Because I, I got some of the categories. Yeah, like, it was, like Cinemora EX or something came out on the... Uh, okay, so that one's the bullet Modern hill. consoles. They're both bullet hills, but yeah. EX is just the updated for the... And there's a, a two and a something else as well. Oh, really? Yeah. It's, that's will be a game. We, that's a genre we would avoid. <laughs> I, I don't do bullet hills. We also have... Now, these have nothing to do with one another, I don't think. But there is uh, Killer7, which was on the GameCube? Yeah, do we play Killer Seven? It's been ported. It got ported a couple of times. There's Killer Seven and then there's Killer Is Dead, but I don't think they have anything to do with one another, do they? I've never heard of Kill. I've never heard of Killer Is Dead actually. Oh. Um, can um from for the life of me, I cannot remember if we did play Killer Seven. I felt like it was ported up, and we may have we even... played something. We played something on another version. I'm pretty sure we yeah. played Killer Seven. There's also a Black Knight Sword. Which is a uh, again is it, it a I think it was a side-scrolling platformer. Yeah. Heard of it, but uh, I I don't think was that what, what era of consoles was that one? I don't remember. No. I, I, remember, I, remember, seeing, I remember seeing the name. Yeah. I didn't do a deep dive on all of them because that's just too much time. They also have a uh, visual novel uh, called The Silver Case. That's definitely got re-released on modern consoles. I see it on sale all yeah, the time. It's got an updated with a new name and additional content they added to it. Well, that's a visual novel? Mm-hmm. Huh. Take a guess. Kind, kind of interested. I think that's a really old game that got ported up, I feel like. It's, it, the Silver Case is their first game from 1998. There we go. Wonder how, how, how it's aged. Mm-hmm. No clue, really. Uh, and then they... Uh, there's two for the Game Boy Advance called Shining Soul 1 and 2 and they were supposed to be rebooting the Shining series but I think they've rebooted them again since then their reboot didn't go, reboot didn't go over so well I guess not maybe it was too violent or something I don't is know this all, is, some of this stuff is this is Suda 51's company isn't it mm-hmm. some of these things is it his whole company or is it like is or, it was, or is he these just, were all considered developed by Grasshopper Manufacturing there may have been some other. He attaches his name to like projects that are like really his. So what if he works with this company or this is his company? Like, so oh, this is his company. This is, this is, is, is his company. Okay, I just don't see him being attached to like Shining Soul. I th- well, this is also early on. Like nowadays, maybe, not maybe, so much. Maybe before he, maybe before he was Suda Fifty One, probably ninety six, ninety eight, two thousand. You know, you're just now starting out, and you're like, hey, you're doing pretty good. We want you to head a team and work on some games. Okay, you know, so I'm not sure if they were technically got Grasshopper manufactured, but he and his team take credit for these games, and it is up under the umbrella. Yeah, and then it's some, interesting. Uh, a lot of the games too of the 29 games is all like sequels and remakes of some of their older stuff, like the No More Heroes and the different ports and stuff. All count technically towards the 29, which I thought was a little. I don't think that counts. <laughs> it's the same game. Well, we I mean I know the sequels. 
well, sequels count as extra games, but remakes and remasters don't count as new games. Don't really count as another. I wouldn't add that to my tally of games that I've made. And then one other cool one was um, Lollipop Chainsaw. Yes, we definitely played that one. Couldn't beat it though. The last boss was uh, we ha- we have a copy set on our shelf as we ever think to go back and try to actually beat that game. <laughs> nah, I, I, we'll see. It was fun, but it was a little. Whew, a little ridiculous, but a lot of this stuff is. But we was also maybe trying to prove ourselves and get the one K or something. Maybe, I have no idea. Not trying to... Maybe trying to lower difficulty and just have fun with it. Mm-hmm. Now we've said the name Suda Fifty One a couple of times, and if those who aren't familiar, the lead director and creator of Grasshopper Manufacturer is a gentleman named Goichi Suda who goes by the moniker Suda51, which is really just a pun on his own name. Because when you break his first name in half, you have Go and Ichi. Go is translated from, is literally translated directly from Japanese to English to the word five. And Ichi is one. Mm-hmm. So, and, so really his name is 51 Suda, so he just switched it around to be... Suda51? Yeah, that's literally, that's the... That's the mystery. <laughs> I was curious about figuring it out last night. I was like, oh. I thought that... That's just stupid. It's just his name backwards. <laughs> yeah. And so he was just he was just clever for him. And so... Well, a lot of his ideas when it comes to... And, game, and you can see when you, when, you, when you... Once you've played a few of them and you think about it, you're like, that's kind of true. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the major biggest themes of all of his games now some people be like "Ooh, it's the hypersexualization and the horny that didn't come till later i guess when he got more comfortable with himself and with his you know sick and twisted sense of humor because there's a lot of hypersexualized stuff speaking of hypersexualized stuff i didn't mention shadow of the damned where yeah. everything's a penis joke yeah that entire game's a penis that, that joke. entire game is a penis joke yeah uh, I, 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 I was running about the run through his games in my head i feel like there's a couple other ones you didn't mention that we've played but um, yeah, I couldn't remember all of them. I just wrote down. I, I I totally forgot that one. But anyway, yeah, a lot of folks played Shadow of the, Shadow of the Damned. Yeah, but uh, so one of the his biggest major theme is he likes to call it uh, he does a lot of crime stuff, like assassins, hitmen, and just kind of like rob. He does a lot of just like offbeat characters, things people who wouldn't normally be in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. And that also leads to the second big theme, which is the clashing of ideals. Usually when when people are criminals and they're coming to blows, the clash of ideas of what's good, what's right. If it is bad, how far are you allowed to go good or bad down this thing? And it usually ends up with people being literally left dead on the floor from the clash of ideas. Hmm. Yeah, my idea is better. That's why I won. It's kind of like, it's just silly and weird like that, but there yeah. are some pretty heavy themes. Themes, so, and uh, he's always... Almost, almost always has got striking visuals. He's got a, a flair for oh yeah, striking visuals. I'm looking at the list, some of the list of games. One, one we did play all the way through is Killer is Dead. That's what I said. I said Killer is, is, Dead, Killer is Kill- Dead. I said Killer is Dead and Killer Seven. Okay, I'm, 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 I'm not sure, sure if they had anything to do with one. Another. I don't think they're related. I don't. I don't think they are either. Without playing Killer Seven, I don't know. Hmm. We did play Killer is Dead. Yeah. Were you going? Was there anything else? Oh, you keep talking. I'm gonna scroll. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna scroll through the list to see if there's other, other stuff we've played. And uh, that's kind of it about with the studio and the creator. I'm going to kind of dive into the game a little bit now. Yeah. I didn't play the game 
long. I played it for about two nights, maybe. Maybe three. But the game revolves around a gentleman named Travis Touchdown. <laughs> and he is what you might call an, uh, an otaku. Which is a, a gentleman obsessed with anime and wrestling. And like he's just a super fan of certain, you know, like basically a weeb. <laughs> but he's actually born in Japan, so he's an otaku, as opposed to being a weeb in America. <laughs> anyway, on top of all that, his fascinations, apparently uh, he wins a, a beam saber in an online auction and then decides to become an assassin. Yeah. <laughs> That's literally about it. That's how he becomes an assassin. And then he is then... Once he becomes an assassin, he is contacted by a woman named Sylvia, who, again, this is where some of the hypersexualization comes from, and innuendo, he becomes super horny for her immediately. And she's all, oh, if you can kill these people, I'll give you a kiss. And all he's like, oh, do anything for a kiss. It's really, really silly and stupid and immature, but kind of fun. And then she convinces him to... Uh, start going after the UAA, the United Assassin Association. And it's just really weird if he's just now, well, I don't think he's just now becoming an assassin. I think he's been an assassin for some time. But getting the beam saber on eBay is how he became an assassin originally. But at this point in time, he's actually, uh, Sylvia hires him to go kill somebody. So you don't really know any of this stuff, but once you kill this gentleman, that guy actually happens to be rank 10 of the assassins in the world, and it so automatically... Seemingly, he's probably, before the game started, he had maybe worked his way... Up some. Up some, but he seems like he doesn't exactly know what he's doing when you start playing, so no. I'm not sure. But you end up killing this dude and elevating yourself automatically to rank 10. That's just how it works, is if you're the guy who kills the person, that's it. Mm-hmm. That's the opening, pretty much the opening. That's like scene that's the prologue, yeah. yeah the prologue fights. Well, after you do that, you kind of get introduced to what you have to do in between because you have to wait for an invitation or yeah, you got to go get like um, no, you got to go because you got to buy your way into the next one. Yeah. So it's all the game's all obsessed with money. So this is where the game, I think the game fails is the tedious running around this boring city. Look, doing odd jobs for money. I get some of these are supposed to be jokes, and some of it, I understand Suda Fifty One. I played all his other games before this one. You know, I get these. Some of these things are jokes and stuff like that, like mowing lawns and other other stupid crap you do. But a lot of the stuff ends up being really boring, and you have to repeat things over and over and over again to get enough money to buy your way to the next fight. You got to buy your buy your way to the next challenge. And that's if you're not buying upgrades for your beam saber, different outfits and stuff, like you know, kind of obsessing with some of the um not exactly important cosmetic stuff, but it does yeah. add certain story elements and interactivity and upgrades. Uh, yeah. But I did find them incredibly dull and just like driving around. I know this was originally a Wii game, but like driving around town and you're on this motorcycle, which should be cool, but like it's driving around this town, this bland town. It's just filled with nothing. It's boring. Yeah, there's nothing, nothing happening, nothing going on, and you got to drive back and forth. And I feel like if you 
fail a mini game or something? Don't you? It doesn't like put you somewhere. You have to like drive back or set something else. I feel like you. I remember driving back and forth, like just literally drive all the way across town to do a game, and then driving all the way back across town to, to do something else. It yeah, was there was just no like lots of driving. It was really really boring. It was no fast travel. Like I I would have. As silly as it is, I think I would have preferred to like have stayed in my apartment and just kind of like went through menus, menus maybe just to make just, it faster. Yeah, the open because the open thing doesn't doesn't accomplish it doesn't accomplish anything. And being open world, literally, it's filled with nothing. There's nothing. I don't think there were collectibles. Well, no, okay. After a while, there became some collectibles that you could get. What were they? I forgot. It was when your bikes like those blue spheres or something. And I, I can't remember. I can't remember. I know there was some sort of collectible, but it's just like I don't know. Yeah, it was this nice. game might have just worked better if they focused more on the uh, just made it level the gameplay and made it more game. Yeah, because a lot of his other games are level based. This is the first, it's maybe the first quote unquote because the world's not really that big. Let's be honest, it was a, it was a Wii game. It wasn't that big, but like I think this is our first open world thing. I don't think it. I don't think the series needed this game needed that at all. He said you could have sat at your apartment and just selected jobs or whatever yeah. you could, could have had the exact same you could have done this this whole game and not had to drive back and forth across town I'm, I'm guessing maybe the motorcycle was important to Suda or maybe at one point maybe you fight on it I'm not sure I have no idea I just know that I was definitely the the hunt the money hunt is what bored me yeah I mean it's what led to quitting but we did do I think I got to two or two or three of the assassination. I think fights. I was in rank eight. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember all of them. I remember there being a dude with the big sword. That's the first guy, right? Yeah. And then there's the chicken, the little, um, the little ninja samurai girl. Yeah, I think that was her. You fight her in the little, like Japanese style house. I think it was. My memory kind of fades. And I don't. I haven't played it for a while. And but, when uh, I didn't really enjoy it too much. Yeah, it. We didn't have a whole lot to say about this game, I don't think. We, we didn't play it very long. But what sucks about this is that there's a whole bunch of games and we were kind of being maybe passing Suda51 fans a little bit. Like, kind of, we're not like chasing down his games, but we do, you know, we played a couple of them. We were looking forward to this franchise, kind of. I don't know, but I was. We were looking yeah. forward to kind of getting in because it's a franchise we miss and there's been new games that are still making. Okay. I feel like they've announced a, a Some. Heroes. They've either announced No More Heroes Four, I feel like, or they've announced the porting it to other consoles to get, to get it off, get it off the, get it off the Switch. But it was more more disappointing than anything. That was I was just not enjoying this, and like it wasn't as outrageous as I was kind of expecting with this the whole premise of this to be and how how for it to turn out. Uh, even the fighting the other some of the other assassins just before you fight an assassin, you have to run through endless hallways of grunts yeah like just hallways and hallways and just fighting piles and piles of grunts and it's you're just and they're like really easy to kill so you're just like kind of button mashing just killing this dudes over and over and over again and then you've got a the assassin fights that i did they weren't scripted per se but they're kind of kind of somewhat precise on how you had to fight them so it kind of once you figured out what to do it was somewhat boring to fight them i bet they've expanded on this i imagine no more heroes 3 being a more modern game probably plays a lot better than no more heroes 1 i would hope I so. imagine 2 was still a wee a, a wee game but like i bet i bet 3 there's probably a, a game a gameplay gap here of like 
how things yeah. how, how things play because like, we're talking the first No More Heroes. That's before uh, that's before Lollipop Chainsaw. That's before uh, yeah. Killer is Dead. Before um, a couple of things. A couple. So it's before all the all the. It, ironically, it's before all the games we have played, yeah. and we're more used to the way the more his more modern games are handled. Because I've asked a, <coughs> I have a fellow at work who has played them. All of them? I'm not sure he's played all of them, but I asked, I was like, hey, is the second one, because I'm willing to try more, and uh, he's, I asked him, I was like, does the second one get better? And he's like, it's really just a lot more of the first one. And I was like, what do you mean a lot more? He's like, it's a lot. He's like, it's just more mm-hmm. of what the first one was. I'm like, so you got to collect money and all that stuff in assassination fights? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, he didn't really sell me on it at all. It's possible that this this game just ain't for us. I mean, which yeah. is fine. That's just, that's just some of these some of these episodes, like these gameful episodes, and some of our regular episodes turn out that sometimes uh, a game just ain't for you. And that's what our our last game on this list is really about. Yeah. Uh, so, but we'll, we'll get to that last. But I'm, it's sometimes, and it's perfectly fine. People say, "Oh, a game. This game sucks. This game's terrible." Like maybe. We just didn't like it. It's I mean, for us, this game has, it's a, it's it's literally Suda's only franchise. Yeah, you know, he I don't, think he's so. got four got four games right now in this franchise. I mean, nothing else has been popular enough. People like it enough to buy it enough to warrant keep making more games. You know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm I'm kind of done talking about it. If you're ready to move on to the next thing, really, is all you got. For I mean, that? I really don't have a lot. We didn't play it much. I know I was like. Almost dreading turning it on. I was like, I don't want to play. Yeah, that's a, that's a big no no for us. We, have, we if you're not looking forward to turning so, turning something on, or if you haven't, it's been a day or two and you haven't thought about it, then it's time to time to retire that game and yeah, move on to our to move, on. move on to the next thing on our infinite list of games to play. Yeah, unfortunately, we didn't like it. We were looking forward to it. I don't think I'll touch anything else in this franchise. Unfortunately, I was hoping to have a. New thing to do, and, and this and this wasn't it. We'll see. All right, um, moving on to our second game. Um, uh, this is this one's kind of piggy, piggybacking off of a a, a, a popular game and a, and a popular franchise as well. Uh, so our next game we'll be covering is Persona Five Strikers.
uh, which originally came out February 23rd, 2021. So it's a fairly new game. And it's, it, as you said earlier, it is a, a piggyback hop, a literally direct sequel to Persona 5. It literally picks, oh, not picks up exactly where it lasts off. The game picks up six months after the that fact. Might, that might as well be exact. <laughs> picks up six months after the end of Persona 5. Now, it was actually co-developed by two, two companies. One called Omega Force, which they've been around for a while, since 96. I think you've covered them before because you've covered one of their games on, yeah, was, on, yeah. on, the, on the game. So you ain't got to do too, too deep, maybe, I don't think. Cause we, uh, no. What was it? One of the Dynasty Warriors we covered way back on the early It was Black Berserk and Band of the White Hawk. It yeah. was episode two. Episode two. So that's a game you actually beat. And then I think you... I think we game flight a Dynasty Warriors at some point, so I think you might have mentioned something. them. Might have mentioned them twice already. Yeah. So, but so they've done, well, they've done a couple of things. Just uh, real quick, some of the games they did. Anything that's Dynasty Warriors, anything that's literally considered a Musou, which is Dynasty Warriors, Warriors Orochi, Gundam Warriors. Uh, did they do the Zelda one? Yeah, they actually did. They Hyrule did Warriors. Did they do the? And Dragon Crest Heroes one Dragon and two. Dragon Crest Heroes. Did they do the? Uh, it's coming out as a uh, Fire Emblem. They did Fire Emblem Heroes. Yeah. They're also responsible for One Piece Pirates one, yeah. two, and three, as well as a lot of things. They pretty Attack much, on Titan. They pretty one. much take your favorite anime and turn it into a a you, war, a big big game. Yeah. And that's and but they've been rocking it. Yeah, still around, still selling, still selling games, still making games. It's it's the same game, but they have gone out of the way to minutely update and upgrade as the games have gone on. And when yeah. they tackle these ones that are anime specific, they do do a lot in that world. Mm-hmm. You know, like I remember playing the Attack on Titan one, and you get the different different swords, different jetpacks, different uh, yeah. grapple hooks. And that game was actually that game was actually more fun to play than it was to watch the anime. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Toast my goats. And then, like I said earlier, uh, episode two, I covered Berserk and the Band of the White Hawk. And I you can, episode two. It was episode two, and that's kind of really it for them. Uh, I had a hard time trying to figure out how many uh, people they had. Well, not really. Um, it's just because technically Omega Force is owned by Tecmo Koei, but they're a subdivision, so they are a team, but. Because how Tech Koei works, they, everyone just kind of gets swapped around. Yeah, Tech Koei is big enough that they just move people around. Yeah, just it's uh, eighteen thousand people swapped amongst work for Tech Koei. Swapped amongst Oof. thirteen studios. Gosh, thirteen separate studios, and they all just kind of like everyone helps know out. Tecmo one. had that many people working for him. Mm-hmm. Wow, it is a lot of people yeah. doing a lot of games. Yeah. And a, a Japanese company like that probably has a number of games that never don't even come here. Oh, I'm sure. <clears throat> a lot of these were uh, some of these were like Japan only add-ons and exclusives and DLC. Yeah, so for sure. Some of them are. There'll be. They'll. I bet they have anime games for animes that aren't popular popular enough here to put out here. They have games there that. Yeah. And offshoots and sidetracks of side games and Dynasty the Dynasty Warriors franchise that we just. The Dynasty Warriors is popular here, sort of. I'm sure it's probably bigger over there. Mm. I think one of the studio's entire job was add-on content. 
Oh, Lane, that would sound. I know it's I know it's a paid job, but God, it suck. Well, because a, a lot of these games have different weapons, different costumes, or let's do seasonal events that are like we'll put these costumes out that you will only ever be able to buy Halloween twenty twenty, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So they, it's yeah. kind of sad. I, I, I get the idea of the job, but I just it sucks. Maybe they put their like younger developers on that, maybe, or and you work your way up if you do it well. Mm-hmm. Like I said earlier, they're Musou style, so you kind of know what game we're getting into. Mm-hmm. And now the other one is P Studios, which is Persona Studios. Mm -hmm. Uh, They originally came out in... I don't know the exact date of when they came out. It's whenever the first Persona came out. Because they didn't have an exact date. Because technically, it's it's a division of Atlas. Mm -hmm. Atlas is divided into three... This is that weird Japan stuff. uh, Where it's one company, but they were literally called... First creative team development, second creative team development, and third team creative development. You see this um, another big one too is like 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 Nintendo or any of the big publishers will do this where they're just subsidiaries of the publisher. Like all the all the Nintendo development teams, they don't have names. They're like um, they have a like like moniker. Like so, they're divided and it's just like just like it's like you said, they're different divisions. Yeah. But they don't get actual names. They're it's not like, actual companies. Yeah. They're just R and D section seven. Yeah, R and D. Yeah, they're just like part of different stuff. It's kind of kind of boring, kind of lame, but there's, there's just how, how it is sometimes with the bigger companies. And Atlas is not Nintendo big, but they're big enough to, I guess. Yeah. Well, uh, Atlas as a whole has 270 employees divided amongst these three divisions, which and they now all have their own names. There's Team Man- Maniacs, uh, P Studios, and Studio Zero. And uh, P P Studio has literally only worked on Persona and anything revolving around Persona, and that is it. That's yeah. all they've done. Mm-hmm. Which I, that does include ports and remakes and stuff like that. Like did they do the um, Persona Four Golden, Persona Arena, stuff like that? So they, that's why I ask Arena. They, they did do the fight anything the Persona games. is a hundred percent their responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, take keep them focused. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Persona franchise sells really well. Mm-hmm. And so this one, I'm not going to lie, this is going to be really short, frankly, because if you're familiar with Persona, Persona 5 at least, you know about these, uh, you're attacking eight individuals and going to their mind palaces to steal hearts and make them either better people or, you know, confess to sins and misgivings that they've done. Yeah. That's the whole point of Persona 5. Did we ever do Persona 5 on the podcast? I'm not sure if we did because it was so big. But like, ah, everyone's talking about Persona. Yeah, I think about it Persona. It was hot, hotness when it was out. It got re-released recently as Persona 5 Royal, expanded with a new character. I didn't care enough to do it again, I think. It's uh, funny because the new character is not in this, so I'm not... Yeah, this is a canon sequel, but... This came out before Royal, so is this canon anymore? Who knows? Like, it's very confusing the way they the way they did this. Uh, I don't really care about canon because I didn't like the story of Persona Five. Like, me and Blake are the lone guys who didn't worship the ground that Persona Five walks upon. Um, I love the art style and has one of my favorite soundtracks in a video game ever. I just could not care less about any of these people. Another game's like a, like a franchise that's just not for us. That all the personas are about high school kids, and I just don't care about high school kids. Like Japan has this obsession with high school. I think high school is much more important in Japan. What well, you accomplish in high school, like maybe dictates your life, maybe. 
I don't know. There's this. There's a. There's a. And I know. I'm not mean racist. There is like. There's a lot. Like all anime. Like ninety percent of anime is high school focused. A lot of the video games are high school focused. There's, so I get where Persona comes from and why Persona exists. I just don't care about these kids. And I did not care. Like this Persona Five, drug on for so so long and didn't really like a hundred and twenty hours. Yeah, I played all the way through Persona. All the way through Persona Five. I'm never touching Royal. I've been sitting on Persona 4 for a long time because some people say 4 is better, but I'm just like, if 4 is focused on a bunch of high school kids, I think the whole Persona franchise is focused on high school kids. And I just, again, we lean back on something just not being for you. Well, I think there's also, I mean, America has that same thing with all these young adult and teen dramas on TV and crap like that. Yeah. And those and those go for five, tick, six, seven, eight years. And then when that one goes off, they bring up another one, and it goes. It, there's all of them all over yeah. the place, especially in the mid two thousands. So, being completely honest, I put I put Persona Five Strikers on the game because I'm hoping I could mash on the attack button and get to listen to the soundtrack again. And I think I was expecting big, flashy, button mashing combat with just. You know, get to jam on, and I heard the composer did original tracks. I was like, "Cool, I'd love to hear the soundtrack again. I'll mash on some buttons, and this will be a good time." That's not what you, that's not what you get with Strikers, unfortunately. It's far more complicated than that. Like I, I really wanted a button masher. I wanted a mindless button masher, and you get maybe big time Persona fans are happier with what you get because it's basically a, this is a whole it it has all the ups and downs of a persona game like you have to you have weaknesses and the way these dungeons are very vertical and up and down and around and doing this and finding a key and going this way it's all it was it was a drastically more complicated experience than i was hoping for yes now I, I, don't, I don't i don't know if you had the same mindset or not i know you were far less interested than i was to even play this well because i like moose owls just you do general. like you do like moose owls in general more than i do but the, this was, like I said, when I play Musa, I'm like, you give me an open battlefield, and you're like, there's a forest over here, and there's a little maze over here. Give me the map, and I'm going to start on the left side and slow with my right and kill you know, everybody on the field and yeah, fight the bosses, like, get the hit. 1,000, 2,000 kills. Yeah. And just really... But this was, like you said, it was a vertical, a very vertical leverage. Everything was, which is, it makes sense for the world of Persona, being these labyrinthine mind palaces. But I... I uh, I think I played it one, two nights. Like, I, I, yeah, I was not looking forward. Like, I was, when it first started, I was like, oh, the first night, like an hour into it, I was like, is it, it's a direct sequel and you're kind of doing the same thing. The story's like, here's some more bad guys, do it again, Phantom Strikers or whatever it's called. I was like, oh, I didn't want to, it's, it's our mistake maybe for a student. I was like, oh, I don't want to do, I, I didn't want more of this. Like, I didn't want more of, what they were doing, I just wanted. Again, I just wanted mindlessly bushing butt mashing to be bobbing my head to a sweet soundtrack. Literally one of my one of my top five soundtracks of gaming, probably. I mean, we're talking. My top will probably always be Final Fantasy VII. Let's be honest, but like Persona's up there, and then like uh, I'm blanking. What's another soundtrack you can even? Well, take? I really, I really, I've always loved Ocarina of Times. Mm. So I'm pretty cliche on some of my soundtracks. I still hum these hum these songs, but. Persona Five is probably in the top five. If not, I'm not number five. It's also I named old. I named them. I named like three. I've named four out of the top five. What's another one? I can't think. I don't. I don't know off the top of my head. So it is the 
only video game soundtrack you own. You yeah. purchased. I purchased You went it. out of your way to purchase and own this soundtrack. So this actually might be your favorite. It might be, yeah. Possibly. It's one you can like you can just listen to without the game for sure. Like if you listen to the Final Fantasy Seven soundtrack, you're kinda of, it's kinda of feels like mm-hmm. it's a different feeling. You're like because you can know where all the I don't know, it's a different feeling. This is more of a it's a different kind of soundtrack. But I wanted more I didn't want more of that. Like I've I've almost Almost rented the Persona Five Dancing game. Just a dad. I want to hit maybe hit hit buttons to a rhythm and just listen to the soundtrack. It's got new original songs too. I was like, <laughs> do I want to dance to the? Do I want to play a dancing game to the to this soundtrack? I don't know. Maybe I want that more than I wanted wanted like, what what this turned out to be. Yeah, it was just it's got everything you have in Persona. Like if you love if you loved Persona Five for the characters and for the story and for the dungeon crawling with the being able to jump across lampposts and get back attacks and sneak attacks, preemptive strikes. If you loved... Now, because we have a friend of ours who really enjoyed Persona 5. And we didn't like it. And we're like, hey man, we're about to move. Do you want to borrow this? And he was like, hell yeah. yeah. And he beat it over the course of the month while we were moving. Yeah, we just gave him our Gamefly disc. I'm he, pretty he, sure he beat it like a week or two. Yeah, he, he beat it. He, he plowed he, through he, it. He plowed all the way through it. So luckily somebody got to benefit from uh, us having that rental. And we asked him about it. It was like, how was it? He was like, more of the same. And I was like, oh. I'm glad we didn't play it then. Yeah. And he said he did say like he was like it was overly long. Yeah. He's like these. He's like there could have been some stuff cut out for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think Persona, like Persona Five was too long. I can't believe Royal like adds another palace and stuff and a whole other character. I just can't believe it's even longer. Yeah. But I'm I don't want to poo on it too much. Yeah. People love it. People love Persona. Will I play Persona Six? Probably. I don't know. I probably play if, if, if I'm not going backwards to play four, three, two, and one. Why would I go forward? I don't. I don't really don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like we're, we're me and Blake are in a massive minority for Persona. People absolutely Persona Five's touted as one of the greatest RPGs of all time, and I just I don't know. I beat it. Yay. Yeah, that's really. A, uh, I spent 120 hours in it, beat it, and I was just like. Best part of this game was the first palace. Mic drop. I'm out. Yeah, that's it. So sorry if you love Persona. It's just not our jam. But Persona Five Strikers, we say we have, have a whole lot to say about it because it it is more of the same Persona. But it, it looks style, it looks exactly like Persona Five. It doesn't look any because of the art style. It can't really look any better. But if you want more Persona Five Strikers, is definitely the way to go. And it's different enough that I think that it would be okay for some folks. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And now for the last game, which I'm disappointed that I didn't play all the way through a little bit. But for other reasons, I'm glad I stopped playing. The game is immensely unique. I've heard uh, so many ravings about it on other podcasts uh, that I had. I put it on our. I put. It, I found out it had a disc on GameFly. Put it on GameFly. Blasted it to the top of the queue. And got it uh, almost immediately. I was like, I got, I got to play this. Like, dude, everybody's like, my favorite podcasts are raving about this, and he, nobody like that. Nobody from there is gonna be listening. But shout out to Get Played, of course, and uh, the Kane and Rents podcast are both the podcast of people just absolutely really get played. They got the, the, the all the the people on Get Played or Nick, Matt, and Heather are just absolutely 
gobsmacked by this game. It's it's I was and they're they're really enthusiastic, which got me enthusiastic about it, and then I got into it. But anyway, enough of me talking in circles about it. We're gonna I'll let Blake introduce the game. We'll talk about the company, which I think is a brand new company, I imagine, and then we'll talk about our experience with the game so far. Right, the game we'll be talking about is Disco Elysium. Now, it originally came out October 15th, 2019. Uh, the version we played was the uh, the final cut version, which came out in, tw- in October 23rd, 2021. Mm-hmm. Which uh, final cut version comes fully voice acted with over... Like 1.5 million lines of dialogue. We have 1.2 million lines of dialogue across 300 characters or aspects. Yeah. I heard uh, on Get Play that the narrator, the narrator who narrates the in-between dialogue and all the aspects stuff mm-hmm. we'll get into, had eight months recording his dialogue. Yeah. Eight months. On top of the 14-month casting call to find people, all, enough, yeah. all the voice actors. Yeah. Like, it's insane how much time went went into this. This is the stuff, this we, we, me and Blake talk about voice actors in a lot of games, and this is... Because we're getting to the type of game this is, this game is the king of, of uh, vo- the absolute king of voice acting. I feel like they got a lot of great people. Now, one random kind of cool thing is the amount of time and effort it was spent into getting this voice acted and to create the final cut version for consoles. It was a free update for PC. Yes, of course. They were just like, here you go. You know, because you already paid for it and it's not fair for you to have to pay more for it because... Yeah. And they just gave it to PCs for free, which is awesome and crazy at the same time. Yeah. Now, the game is developed and published by Zama, or Z-A-U-M, which itself is a pun on a thing that I'm too stupid to understand. It's like the avant-garde translation that they used that was and it's smarter than I am. I didn't when I when, when I read what it meant, it didn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it, you could tell by the writing of this game and what this game digs into that there's fairly intelligent people working for this company. Yeah, uh, there. So Z A U M is based out of UK and Europe. It's about sixty people, kind of divided, and some of them even work remotely from home just because it's hard for them to nail down a studio for everybody living in other countries. But they're writers, artists, developers, and producers, and they all just kind of work together. Some in studios, some remotely, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And now this is the only game they've put out so far. This is the first game. Yeah. Quite a splash it's made. Yes. Yes, it has. Now, uh, the, I'm really only going to talk about the lead designer and writer, and I guess creator of the studio, a gentleman named Robert Kurvitz. Uh, K-U-R-V-I-T-Z now he is an Estonian uh, author musician and now game maker mm-hmm. now he made this game obviously uh, he has a book 
that he wrote called The Sacred and Yeah. Scared and Terrible Air. Yeah. I don't think that book's in English yet. It, it I, have, was, I have a little bit of info that I gathered from the other podcast. I don't think that book's been translated. It was announced to be in English in 2020, but as of 2022, no plans have pushed forward. I, I imagine they get the books as dense as this game. Well, very much so. It's based, It revolves around three uh, friends who are looking for classmates who disappeared 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's based in the same... It's in the same world. It's in group. the same world, and the world is Elysium. It's not Revishold or anything like that, but it is based in, in the same world. Yes. Now, unfortunately, the the book only sold uh, like a thousand copies. Yeah, I've, I've heard that he had the book failed, and he got depressed, and then like he did a band, and the band failed, and he got depressed, and then finally, so, so I think he was approached for a video game, and I, he was reluctant at well, this point to the, make a game. The co-writer for that book, which is a gentleman named... Uh, Kerr Kinder mm-hmm. uh, was a friend of his, and uh, after, like I said, he has the, the band called Ultra Melon Hole, which they have two albums, 04 and 08. And then the book, I think the band came first, honestly, because he says he'd been working on that book since he was like 15 or 16 years old. Mm-hmm. And when he finally put it out and it didn't sell, and then, like he said, the band failed, it was literally, he, he even says, he's like, it was a three year alcoholic binge of depression and I don't remember most of it. Yeah. Put your heart and soul into something and don't... But his but his friend uh, who helped him co-write who had been battling alcoholism himself and had gotten sober had helped him get sober and on the back end once you know he was uh, fully sober he was like your world's so big and vibrant why don't you try putting it to a video game? And he was like, I, I don't know, it seems kind of weird. and But he's like, it also seems perfect, like he was meant to do it. Because when, when his friend finally mentioned it, it was like a light had went off in his head. Because he had lived his entire life having played uh, tabletop games and all this stuff. And his favorite form of world building is when he would play D&D campaigns with his friends and he would build these small enclosed worlds that they would all explore together yes. and one of his favorite one of the biggest inspirations for the game is Planescape's uh, Torment yes we played a Torment game at some point didn't mm-hmm. we uh, Tides of something Tides of, Tides of Nemeria. Did we ever come to that on the podcast? I'm not sure if we did. Yeah, we have too many, too many episodes now. Um, sorry if we, we we may have covered it at some point on the podcast. It's a Gamefly game that we actually both beat. So I don't know if we covered it or not. So we've played this type of game before. It's the only difference, the biggest difference between these two games is uh, Tides of Nemeria has combat and this game does not. No. Uh, Both heavily. Oh, this game had had uh, I guess had the budget for the you know for the voice acting. There's nowhere like Taz Taz really needed a fine touch of more voice acting across. It had had spotty voice acting, which I'm sure we complained about if it was on the podcast. Um, but yeah, but it's and when you when you see the games side by side, you're like, oh, obviously. Now. Th- it being so dense, like he said, one of his, he says one of the things that he grew up most playing, because uh, a lot of these games are incredibly tabletop oriented. Mm-hmm. 
the all the Planescape, the Tormented, the they're all variants of D and D stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he said he got his his kicks uh, before he could get he got real money. Was he was getting Finnish bootlegs of Middle Earth tabletops? <laughs> is what he because he couldn't get the original it was too expensive to get where he's from. Yeah, for sure. And that's you know, and he kind of just like his head, you know, with like, why did I not think of that? Yeah, all the potential. Yeah. And it's just now when we talk about like dense. Uh, he even says that it is a fully fleshed out, and I mean fully fleshed out, six thousand year history of this world. Yeah, you get that when you're playing. We can talk about how the game plays here in a bit, but you do get lots and lots of uh, information dumps depending on the type of character you play. And like I said earlier, my number may be off, but it was like one point or two point. Five million lines of recorded dialogue in the game, like it's it's got to be one of the one of the highest numbers of recorded dialogue in game. I, I don't I don't I don't know all the records. I know Witcher had a had a pretty Witcher I think three. Witcher still holds the record. Witcher three had a pretty high. It's a much bigger game than this. Obviously, this isn't this isn't open world. This is not. This is a more um, a definitely much more contained story. There's just so much so much stuff that is said, but you start. Like everybody's got something to say about the world, and almost every single person is doing some sort of world building, whether it's an actual person you're talking to, or uh, we call them a personality aspect within your own brain, which we'll get into that here in a moment. Now, it does have a pretty unique art style as yeah, well. Kind of a watercolor, kind of. Uh, uh, it's, the, wor- the world around you is kind of a watercolor. Uh, the whole thing was uh, an oil painter. Oil, yeah, oil, oil. oil painting and he did everything himself yeah and then they just scanned it and, and it, looks, it looks really neat yeah. yeah it looks very it also helps to match because your your main character is more than a little insane and it helps try to make the world like as if he were crazy everything's exaggerated and hyperbolied but also fairly true and realistic in and yeah in and of its way and the music Though was pretty good, it was actually all done by an English band called Sea Power. They're a prog rock band since been around since two thousand. They're still active today. Cool. Let's go ahead and write off why we didn't complete this game because we're going to say a lot of good things about this game. Uh, very cool stuff we're going to get into. The problem with this game is is uh, again we lean back into a game not being for you. This game, though written well extremely well voice acted and very entertaining in a lot of ways. This game is heavily political. Almost every conversation you're having with somebody has something to do with somebody's politics. The whole game, the whole reason you're at the, you play as a cop, the whole reason you're at the place you're at is the reason this guy's dead. Well, I'm going to spoil, Oh, a little bit of a spoiler warning. We know some of the story. This game is all about story. Maybe skip this final Skip this Disco Elysium part if you haven't played Disco Elysium. I, I forgot to say that all, all the other podcasts say it. We, we might say a couple of things that you don't want to know. So if you haven't played Disco and you've heard Disco Elysium if you, and you've heard of it and you're interested, don't even listen to the rest of this episode or skip to where I'm talking about a band if you want to. I don't want to spoil anything for this because this game, if there's ever a game that's about story, it's this, it's this one. Um, but everything's so political and there's 
There's nothing I care less about in the world than politics. Especially make-believe politics. Especially make-believe politics. I mean, I just, man, I couldn't care less. I was just like, you get to so many really dense and really just wordy conversation people with people explaining their politics and why theirs is right and yours is wrong and then but you could make dialogue choices and do roles to try to convince them that your way is right and then your character can go anyway like you're building your character you can be a crazy racist misogynist you can be anything you kind of want to be or you can try to be as not crazy as you want to be you know, and, and try to, you can't be completely normal, I don't think, because your guy's somewhat insane anyway, like Blake said. But the main point of the game is there is just a staggering amount of politics. And I just couldn't sit through it. I'm, I'm like the, my first my first night with this game was the best night I had. Likewise. And I did two, three, four nights with it. And at a certain point, I just like, I'm going to see people just gab on and on and on about their politics. And I was like, man, I just don't, I don't, I, I, I love the way this plays. I just don't care about what anybody's saying. No, I don't care. I just don't care about what anybody's, everybody's talking about their way of doing things and their politics. Like, it's just, I mean, some people, I mean, granted, people love this game and all the other podcasts who care about politics. If you care about politics, you're going to love this. You're going to love how intelligent, because like I said, everybody, everybody intelligently speaks. The creators know what they're talking about way more than I do. I just, man, again, I repeat, I just could not, there's nothing, nothing in this world I care about less than politics. I could not care less. And it pushed me so hard, so hard up against this game. Everyone trying to give you their agenda. Like you have a woman who's trying to push her ultra liberal liberalist agenda towards you. Then you have a guy who's a racist and a conservative. Then you have uh, made up political things like being a moralist or being a separatist or being those could be real. You said you said they're made up. Maybe they're real. I, mean, I don't. I don't know none of the stuff. What they're talking about. Care. I mean, they could be, but what they're talking about in the war, in the game is make believe doesn't and doesn't exist in the real world. Like yeah. The name may be and the idea may be inspired. Like there's communism, like heavy yeah, yeah. things, communism and fascism in there, and th- those things exist for sure. But what not for their people in the game or people who don't exist in the real world. Yeah, I, I get that. Yeah, so. That said, Blake's the same, almost the same way. You may care less about politics than I do. I, who knows? I just, there's just, it's politics are so boring and a lot of the time so pointless. People act like politics rule the freaking world, and maybe they do behind the scenes. But we're not a political podcast, and we're never going to be a political podcast. Just know that we, too, the host of this podcast, don't want to talk about politics, don't want to hear about politics, and do not want to play a game that's literally ninety five percent about politics. Yeah. And I tried real hard because of the, the mechanics and the way the game plays, which we'll talk about now for, for a couple of minutes. The mechanics of the game are so cool and so fun. I just need, I just want a different su- different subject matter. Mm-hmm. Well, it had a lot to do. Not only was it the subject matter of the politics, but it was the mass amounts of expositional dumpage. Yeah. There's just people just going on and on and on about everything. And, you, and they let you keep asking questions. Go further. What about this? What about that? Well, you can opt out a lot of these conversations, but I was like, maybe this will lead to something. Yeah. Well, because it... Because <sighs> we're going to get into the gameplay now so, of why so, we think it might have led to something. So, I mean, this is a talking game if there ever was one. You're t- everything you do, there's no combat. Some people say there's later parts of the game, and some people talk about, I've heard two cool things about this game, that the talking is the combat. Yes. Talking is the combat, 
and your main character, you choose a uh, archetype in the beginning of the game, or you can make your own. But you different. You have these skill trees, and we can call them. Some people call them aspects of your personality. This dude, main character, his aspects of his personality speak to him inside of his head. So you're constantly having conversations inside of your head. And I had somebody explain to this, like if this is an RPG, the aspects are your party members. Oh yeah, very cool way to think of it. Because they're they have their own their own agendas and their own stuff, but it's all going on inside your character's head. Your character will stand there and have full conversations inside of his head. But I think the way the way the game judges it, I even saw one time when you're talking inside your head and he's narrating, and you're going to this whole shebang inside your head, and then the narrator, your brain relates back. Uh, it goes on for a long time, and and the and the and I don't know if you saw it, but the, it goes back to. So you've been standing quietly for four seconds. You should probably say something. Yeah, I would do. So like that, the time frame inside the time frame inside your head obviously is different than what the how the real world is perceiving you standing there. Oh yeah. So, uh, very cool. Like I love love how cool that is. And I lost my train of thought there because a lot my own train of thought yeah. there. But uh, um, because you have four. Because in the entire the whole game, there's twenty four skills slash aspects of your personality yeah broken into four distinct categories uh intellect psyche physique and motoronics motorics (laughs) and each one has a set thing so basically the motorics is a an is is for everything They, they they're for Basically, anything you would want to do, it's like reaction speed, interfering, composure, hand-eye coordination, perception. It's just kind of like things that need that every class needs in order to be good. Maybe you could build a, but like I say, we played at we played we played pre archetype. We played archetypes, so we had pre-built. I don't know what the game would do if you pre-built these character with whack like opposing. Yeah, opposing. It's a curious. I love to I love to see these things. I just can't handle the politics. But like, because I I picked a uh, I picked the intelligence one, mm-hmm. so my guy has one of his main aspects is encyclopedia. So I'm getting I'm getting lore. I'm getting world dumps constantly. Somebody says something about something, and then my brain explains to me. It goes, "What he's actually saying is this, or what this place is is this." And you get I get lore dumps constantly throughout the thing. It's just inside his head. You're getting constantly. Uh, fed information about the world and who people are and what this stuff means. It was and that's kind of neat. Now, you played empathy, I think. Yeah, I played the empathy. So you're not getting lore dumps no. at all. But I'm getting dumps from people. Um, you're getting people to tell you things, probably. Yeah, a lot of times. Because uh, for like, intellect, uh, one of the Drew's things for being intellect was a it was a all knowledge. All logic, all rhetoric, encyclopedic knowledge, but he failed at basic human interactions. <laughs> yeah, people did not like me. Basic, basic human interactions are just like, oh, this woman's crying. I you roll to see how she feels. Epic fail, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So you have the you have the roles within. You have normal normal dialogue trees, and you have roles you can make, which is literally rolling a dice, like in D and D, and then or a tabletop, and those and your skill in those things determine uh, your chances of succeeding. So like you, but you can handle the cool thing about the different character types is you can handle things a different way. I could say different things one way, and then there's a physic physical 
uh, archetype, which just blunder his way. Like I will try to talk to someone. So somebody's mad. Uh, Blake's empathy character could talk them down or something like that. The phys- physical character wouldn't have empathy options. He would be like, punch him in the face to shut him up. Yeah. And, and the game just plays that way. Like I told, uh, uh, the get played podcast. Uh, one of the people, Heather, had played Heather Ann Campbell had played uh she played physical and she said there was there was no door she could not get through. <laughs> Just for kicking for down. me it was like you go to a locked door, I gotta go talk to everybody about the door and like kinda work out where a key is or work out if I can talk to somebody to let me into a door. Yeah. She says she goes up to every door and just knocked every door down. Like it's it's a way it makes you solve your problems. I filled most of my physical challenges. Very yes. few. I couldn't even jump you. from one ledge to another ledge. I mean I like yeah, I had no I had no physique. I was all physique. I was all intelligence. Well like I said, I chose the the psyche one, the psych one, which involves uh, empathy, was it empathy, authority, a suggestion as well as um, understanding. And a couple, they have like the end game word. I kind of feel, feel like I want, maybe would have want to would have wanted to play that when I like talking my way through things like that. Because because uh, there were some moments that were literally just uh, it was like understanding of police work and stuff and composure. But one of the things I could do was literally just authority. Yes, I, had, I had zero authority. Because the authority was like, I walk up to somebody who automatically goes, hey, copper, what do you want? And my choices were to go ahead and begin interrogation, or I could roll an authority check, which is literally cross my arms and just stare at them. Yeah. And it was like... So, it, uh, I think... Oh, that's, that's my point. We talked about failing stuff and stuff having tough or like impossible roles. You do can work your way through conversations. Sometimes you want to do your role last... Because you can work through the conversations and you can get bonuses based off things you learn. Yeah. Based you stuff you learn through the conversation. And you'll go back to your role and it'll say plus one because you said this. Or plus one because you went here. Plus one because you have this item. So you always kind of want to work your way through the conversation and work your way back to your role sometimes. And have a better chance of uh, completing your role. I had zero authority. My, my authority aspect... Never spoke up because I had zero. My authority was not my highest in the window, but it was pretty high. Yeah, based off your the points you have in a particular aspect, it leads to how how good they are, and how often they speak up. But the game does, um, uh, the com- complexity of this game is that you can have one, two, three, four points in, into something. It's not you have it, but it's not good. It will speak up with bad, bad suggestions or bad things. Like it, it can all can always go well, and there's like a middle somewhere that's good, and then there's a part where if your stat becomes too high, if you've heard about that, if your stat gets too high, your character can become obsessed in a, in a direction and become just like can't can't cope with like. Like my guy, like the encyclopedia can get too can get too much, and you can all he, all the dude does is just spout information. Like he can't have conversations because his brain's too locked in a particular thing. Oh, shit. So your stat, your stats can get too high, and your and he can break your character and others. So you can be too low, too high. You got to try to find a a middle where your character's kind of and you have to balance your all your other aspects. How, how cool does this? I mean, maybe we sound like idiots, but how cool does this sound? Like the way this RPG mechanics. It's, it's, it's phenomenally it's, it's, built. It's crazy. It's so cool. And they, they'll speak up. And one of my favorite things is I, when I was playing is one of my one of my stats was lower and one was higher. And one of my one of my aspects said something. And my other aspect reacted to the other aspect and was like, that's just not true. 
Yeah, that happened quite a bit. Yeah, like it's like me. yeah, he's like that's that's wrong. So don't listen to that. So the aspects have their own individualness to them, and then and they will re- it, uh, react to each other and stuff like that. I was like, God, this is that's, that's like the first night of playing. I was like, this is so. I, I I literally I was in love with it the first night. Oh, for sure, me too. Yeah, like it was like this is so. I love talking to these people, and I love what's what's happening. I love how the the things talk, and they he kind of does the narrator does them all. He kind of changes his tone and the way he speaks because he does all the aspects. Yeah. So he does narr- general narration. And then he does all the, what, 28, we said? 24. 24 aspects. Like, dude's talking constantly. Cause and then you have individual voice actors for the actual characters. Because being the empath, I actually had a little bit of some physical stuff, unlike Drew. Yeah. And one of the things that mine that spoke up the most was a thing in my brain called electrochemistry. That's drugs. And it controlled my, my, my addiction. So does yours speak up to tell you to do drugs? Because I had, like, two points, and I was always, like... Like it would it would pop up. I was in the pawn shop or something like that. And it popped up and it's like, that looks like something you want over there. And it was like it was always trying to get me to do drugs and just do bad. It was well, like yeah. kind of like a devil on my shoulder trying to get me because the dude. There's a sorry. I, we'll get back to you. So you do start the game waking up from a drunken thing. Your character is already. You get to build your character from, from this point. Your character wakes up from a. You learn as you walk around the world, the little city that like. You're on a drunken rampage. Like crashed your car into the into the into the water, broke a bunch of stuff, trashed this apartment. Like your character was already a drunken maniac when the game starts, and led to a. Uh, you wake up with amnesia. Amnesia. That's kind of how you kind of build your character from this point forward. But you have to deal with the past and like electrochemistry. You have to deal with a like a drug and alcohol addiction. Alcohol addiction that your character already inherently had, but from before you got the chance to get control of him. Yes. So. And so for me, electrochemistry was always trying to get me to to smoke or drink or try certain drugs and stuff. And after a while, I was just like, I don't really want to do any of those things. I, 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 I kind of played into it a little bit because I thought it was funny at first. Yeah. And then as I played on, I was, uh, I was like, I don't really. Because like some of my guy was like, anytime I went, went up to somebody, one of the first things my brain would ask, or electrochemistry would be like, Ask them if they got a cigarette. And if God forbid if that person was smoking a cigarette. Oh, so see, I never saw those. Yeah, he was like, he's smoking a cigarette. You should ask for one. And sometimes I'd be like, because one of my side quests became smoke a cigarette or drink a bottle of alcohol or take a drug. Yeah. Those are literally my side quests to get more experience so that I could level up some things. And I would walk up to people and people would literally be smoking and they'd be like, no, this is my last one. I'm like, well, can, can, can I have it? And they're like, no, get away from me, freak. <laughs> get away from me, you monster. Uh, and so, so even with your your empathy, empathy couldn't help you uh, convince them to give you cigarettes? Well, yeah. Sometimes? Well, yeah, because yeah, that part of my brain wasn't there. Like, I could empathize with people who were in pain, but if someone's smoking, my... Well, not empathy, but you had, you had... My inner social... My social skills. Social skills should have been better than my social skills. I mean, they were, but they weren't super great. My empathy, though, came in hand quite a bit when people were... Like sad, everybody's sad. Like, no, oh, yeah. Like it, it came in a real play with some of the other ones. Yeah, but that was was real funny. And then for some reason, my tie was talking to me a bunch. I heard about that. What's funny? They heard about on another podcast that somebody has. Like, I never saw the tie talking. I didn't get that. I failed the check because your tie is on a fan. Yeah, spinning when you wake up, you can turn the fan off, and you get a, you get a, 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 a like. Let's say you turn the fan off, and you get a, a plus to your roll. And I still failed to. 
still fail to grab the tie. So like, but if you get the tie, it talks to you, and uh, it, throughout the whole game, you're supposed to wear it the entire game. It yeah. talks to you, and at some, point, I heard, at some point, it asked you to, to do autoerotic asphyxiation with with, it, with itself. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> I think that I heard horror. it's a re- I heard it's a really it's, funny it's, it's thing. It's very inside horny. The, yeah. t- the tie is very. I heard, yeah, I heard it's really funny. I, I failed, and you and it's a, that's one of the checks you can't redo. There's certain checks you fail, like red checks you fail, and you can't redo them. And yeah, maybe the, because your stats are too low. But the white checks, white are checks, redoable. you can try again. Yeah, and, uh, and they, I think it, it, it's yeah, you can't try them again until I think the next day. But yeah, yeah, or you can refresh them with some of your other things. You can refresh yeah. them if your if your points are higher in that aspect. You get a, you I think it comes back sooner, maybe. Now, one of the other things, part of the things we haven't talked about. Now, these are these are incredibly cool as well. But the game calls it your thought cabinet. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with your aspects, but depending on information you get, you can uh, basically internalize an ideal mm-hmm. and have it. But you can eventually, because like, people grow and change, you can. It, it costs you a level up point, a skill point, or whatever you get from leveling up. But you can erase one if you no longer feel that way, because people are allowed to change who they are. Yeah. People are allowed to change, and this game says you're allowed to change. But some of the stuff you internalize gives you bonuses and points and this, that, and the other. And some things for me, because of my empathy, uh, Drew didn't do it, but there's a... He didn't even do this part at all. But there's a guy who like runs the dock workers union. And the only way to get to him is by convincing this super huge guy... Uh, Big time racist. I-, I talked to him for a long time and I was just like, oh, I'm sick of talking to this guy. Yeah. He's like so racist, but like I heard, but there's ways to get around him. One, you can just punch him in the face. Yeah, but you know, I, I had no physique, so yeah, I wouldn't risk that. Didn't even pop up. And for me, one of the things to internalize and was his vast vocabulary for racism and what it means. Yeah, his ideals. You can internalize his, I, his I, ideals. I, so I and I internalized his ideals, and God, there's a lot to talk about. Okay. I internalized his ideals, but before I did, my partner who was with me, who we'll get to in a second, he's fantastic. Uh, he was uh, he was like, "Wait, are you a racist?" Yeah. And I had a little point of dialogue where I turned to him and go, "I'm not a racist. This guy's an idiot, but I want to get by him, so I'm going to pretend to be a racist. Are you cool with that?" And the guy was like, "That is acceptable behavior, but if you're racist, we're going to talk when this is over." Yeah. Kim Kitsuragi, the very, very popular. And uh, when it comes to NPCs and partners. Yeah. and Yeah, people love Kim Kitsuragi. But so I internalized that dude's racism, came back to him, and he's like, what do you think? And I was like, well, I basically told him that I think racism's stupid because it's just easier to hate everybody because all races are weaker than me. <laughs> it's basically kind of how I told him. And he's like, you're a crazy little man, but I like you. And so he ended up letting me through. Wow. And so I got to go talk to... And he was a stone wall to me. I couldn't get past him. Yeah, I got to go... I got to do a whole thing that Drew was not capable I got to go into the, the container yards, talk to another crazy dude who was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I think we're selling drugs, but eh, who knows? I'm getting paid to do things. Yeah. And I got to... Be, and I, I learned my character's real name and stuff like that. Yeah. So, I think... We've been talking about this for a while, and I've seen... Like I said, I've seen so many podcast episodes about this. There's a chance, uh, though small, we, we buy that we buy this game maybe eventually. 
and come back to it. So I don't know if we should keep on going and going on about this. If we, we enough things we've said now might sell you on this game. If you've heard it on better podcasts than ours, how good this game is, you know, yeah. and, I, and we're already kind of going on and on about the things we really enjoyed. Like we really enjoyed the ins and outs and the playing of this game and the way the conversations work and the way the aspects play. I do think about the game a little bit sometimes. I listen to yeah. other podcasts, and other podcasts talked about how the, the politics politics are heavy throughout. I'm just like, okay, I'm kind of glad maybe I didn't play it all the way through. But then the other podcasts will talk about, like, um, okay, I'll say, I mean, I'll say, like, so Katie Rents, their episode leans lean heavily into the politics side of things. All of them are as much as smart guys were there, and they all kind of got into it. That was their whole jam of things, how things were going. The Get Played podcast, they talk about more about just have like the crazy ass, the crazy side of that game. It was kind of cool. The weirdness. The juxtaposition of two different podcasts attacking two different sides of this game. So, like, listen to Kane and Rance, I was like, oh, I'm kind of glad I didn't stick with it because it's going to be like 60, the game's long, can be, can be long, 60 hours of nonstop political talk. And then listening to Get Played, they're like, 60 hours of insanity like barely there's some political stuff that you can't avoid the politics but they talk about all the other insane conversations you have and crazy stuff you do there's a shootout I'd really, there's a shootout later in the game I'd really, I kind of love to see a shootout you do entirely in dialogue boxes oh crap it sounds pretty cool there's actual I mean, people are shooting guns yeah. and it's done through conversation it sounds really cool uh, lots of cool things. So I'm just I'm, I, I wonder if eventually at, at, at a low price I would I would buy this game and kind of you know kind of Maybe not because it was our game fly, so we were trying to alternating playing it every night. I play a night, Blake play a night. Maybe the game is too dense to play every single night. Maybe it's too heavy in the pocket. Maybe we won't go back to it. I'm kind of talking around circles here, but maybe we'll go back to this game and maybe we'll, there'll be a, another episode about Disco Elysium. Who knows? In the, a full episode in the future. We're raving about the stuff we like. Maybe our ravings. Make you sound. I mean, this sounds awesome, and a lot of things about this game are awesome. It's got the great voice acting, the great way you play. The world's really cool. I'm very interested to see what this company does next. No, for sure. But I think before we, <laughs> before we turn this into another hour of, which you, which we easily can, another hour of talking about the ins and outs of the of the only section of the game we play. We didn't even play. I made I made it halfway through day two. Yeah, me. I was yeah. I was in the day two, and and the, the game can run up to ten days. Apparently, you can't. There's ten playable days, but depending on how you go and how you solve, I've heard it ends it ends anywhere between six and ten days. The game will end, and you'll depend depends how much of the game world you got to see, how many people you talk to. So, uh, sixty per one hundred forty, sixty and a hundred hours you can spend within the game, and, and sort of nearly infinite replayability. And one kind of cool thing is time, it does have a day and night cycle, time moves forward, but time moves forward only when you do new dialogue. You're talking a new dialogue. If you're not using new dialogue, time is kind of stagnant. Yeah. You kind of just kind of run around. You, hear, and do you, hear t- you can sit ticking by. It makes a little ticking noise each time you're while you're talking. You'll, t- mm-hmm. you'll, you'll, you'll make a selection. You'll click. It'll move up and a few minutes. So really yeah, yeah. I, I know. I was, I was trying to cut, kind of nip it in the yeah. bud before we go into like a whole whole freaking. There's just two things I want to talk about. Yeah, sure. That's, that's, that'd be it. Yeah. Is uh, you can dress your your character like an insane man person because all your <laughs> all your stuff has plus and minuses to your aspects. Yeah, all your clothing and you it goes. Uh, you can equip an item in your left, right hand, and then you have a jacket, a shirt, pants, shoes. Uh, I had a tie. I had the neck accessory, and you have a hat and glasses. Like, there's quite a few things. And 
last time I looked at my character, he was wearing white fingerless gloves, a uh, a policeman's black and silver like rain cloak, a a fishnet undershirt, <laughs> uh, some disco glasses, uh, a yellow beanie that I found in the trash, uh, some really stylish black shoes that I managed to steal from someone else's closet <laughs> and some uh, tight uh, jeans. <laughs> I got. I was still wearing gardening gloves and some other crazy hat and some... So my character looked bonkers. <laughs> but I, the, this, the reason I had those things equipped, though, is because I really wanted the stuff that I was good at to be better at. Because I didn't know that you could go off. I know you could fixate on things. Yeah, you could go too far. Yeah. So, I, But I, I don't think I was close to fixating just yet. Yeah. And as of earlier this year, I think in March, uh, this game and world has been opted for a TV show. Oh, crap. For television adaptation. I did not, no, neither, neither podcast mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. It, it was earlier this year, back in March. I wonder because I, I listen to podcasts out of order, so I might have, <clears throat> I might have because uh, these are podcasts that I would have skipped because I hadn't played the game. So I bet both of those podcasts, I bet they probably recorded, they probably recorded and aired before the uh, announcement like that. Ooh, what a, what a, I don't know. The aspects inside somebody's head would be kind of cool for TV, but the problem with the, t- the, the that is this is the entire game is about you cr- crafting your own the conversations, it being pre-written into a TV show. I just don't. I mean, they, great for this guy who's finally landing something. Who tried so hard since he was so young with the book and the band and everything else. Yeah, it's finally, finally going. It's finally coming together. Again, this game's obviously it's it's top of the the writing's in, like really great, incredible, and it's on top of everybody's game of the game of the year. It's somebody's favorite games. I think one of the podcasts says somebody on the Get Plays that it's. They're one of their favorite games of all time now and stuff like that. The game's rocketed. And, and some of them did say, like, this game came out of, came out of nowhere. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a brand new company who, who just made a game and made a, made this crazy-ass game. And with no fanfare, the game just came out. And people are like, this is insane and awesome. And then people just love it. So it's really, really just a great first outing for a company. So this is a, a kind of a weird thing. But uh, a company called... This is this an article from February eighteenth, twenty twenty two. So just bear with me. Uh, it's a, a DJ Two Entertainment has been making a lot of rounds lately for being a production company, uh, and the 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 next couple of upcoming things that it has, and as of right now, it's giving Amazon first dibs on all of these things. So we have. And these are all going to be, for, it says film adaptation. So I think that means live action. I'm assuming. So It Takes Two, Disco Elysium, Life is Strange, Sleeping Dogs, Little Nightmares, and Echo. Are all, they, they own the rights and are currently trying to make live action adaptations of these. And they've taken, they've taken them to I've Amazon. i all that and played all that, but Echo. Yeah, for first dibs. And I was like, I think I want to watch all of those. Yeah, Little Nightmares could be really scary. Mm-hmm. We, we had that on the podcast. We haven't played the second game yet, but anyway. Yeah. Sleeping Dogs seems a little too late. And there's like already too many uh, movies that already do what Sleeping Dogs does. Yeah, so I doubt that'll get anywhere. But those are also—I don't think those have been Americanized. Oh, well, maybe, but some of them have though. It's just not—I don't, I don't know. But that, that one seems the least likely. Yeah, 
It seems like something that should have been tried in a while. Games, and the games are also very old now. Yeah, but maybe there's been enough time. Yeah, anyway. But everything in one of the other ones, I'm like, I'd, I'd give it a go. Life, watching Life is Strange TV show, I mean, it would be no different than playing the game. But maybe they could do something else. Yeah, let's we'll see. We'll see. <sighs> now so, we can move yeah, on. Yeah, to that's the, one of the... I, I, I felt it kind of... We are kind of... I felt that kind of building until like a like we could talk about this is about long, to be a whole and thing and I just kind of I don't want to do that to anybody especially when we can't intelligently speak about the politics side of the game we can rave about the mechanics and I just don't want it to be a whole thing we'll see if we ever come back to it this may be the last time you ever hear about this game on this podcast which is fine there's so many other games in the world we'll just move on to other ones but uh that's Disco Elysium if you haven't heard about if you want to hear longer discussions about that game, check out Kane and Rance and the Get Played podcast, who both have uh, really fun episodes talking about it in, in length. So check them guys out. Uh, we, we highly recommend both of those. So the last thing I want to do is uh, give you another band to listen to. I'm not terribly familiar with this band. We saw them, like, it's one of those things, I hate to say it this way, we saw them, like, accidentally live, I guess. I think they were playing with somebody else in a show. We, we, we were there for the other people. We were there for other people, and this band played. It was like, oh, they're actually pretty cool, and I ended up, ended up liking it. We bought their CD that night. This band is called Painted Wives. Uh, they really remind me of um, Mastodon. Like they're, they're like a smaller scale of Mastodon, but their sound kind of sounds like, if you're familiar with them, I don't think I've played Mastodon. Is that more like a groove rock or am I? Like groove metal kind of. Mastodon does all kinds of stuff, but the closest closest thing they resemble to me is them. So if you're familiar with Mastodon, you'll kind of, I think you'll like uh, Painted Wives. Like I said, we saw them live, got a couple of pictures with them, it was really cool. They currently, I, don't, I said, I don't, I don't know a whole lot about them, unfortunately. I, I do listen to them occasionally. I might, this might help me, motivate me to get, get more into it. They did put out a, a new album uh, fairly recently. I feel like it was, uh, yeah, last year, 2021, a new album. I picked from their first album, uh, the 2016 album. That album's called uh, Obsessed with the End. I bought that album that night at that show and listened to it a little bit. I probably should listen to them more. I did uh, pick a song called Congratulations which may or may not be a single from that album. I don't I don't really know. I feel bad because I don't really know a whole lot of, a whole lot about these guys besides making new music and stuff like that. But I just, I just feel like uh, they're on my list of things, of bands I've made a list of that I want to at least promote a song and get people listening to them and get me, get me back to listening to them a little more probably. So I won't make this very long, of course, because I'm, I'm, I'm already rambling now. Do you have any thoughts on the band? Do you remember seeing them live or anything? I remember them being pretty nice, and they were funny because I think they were the ones that had the merch guy dressed as Jesus. Is that them? I don't know if that was them or that was one of the other bands there. Because it was Painted Wives, Thank You Scientist, and somebody else. I don't think it was Thank You Scientist. I feel like 10 years does the guy dressed as Jesus because they, they think it's funny. Uh, I don't remember. Anyway. Actually, not immensely familiar with the band, so maybe you, maybe maybe anybody listening could listen to it and feed me back some songs you think are really great. Two albums, really easy to make a Spotify list. I'm sure they're going to keep making music because they got a brand new you know, brand new album last year. So I'm going to wrap this episode up, and on the, on the very end of this, you'll hear the the song "Congratulations." 
want to thank everybody that uh, keeps listening, keeps listening to us for all these, all these episodes we've been making over the years. Uh, try to go over if you like uh, like what you hear here. You'll, I'm sure you'll like uh, other podcast action the movie podcast. We have a lot of fun making that with our buddy Steve. That one's entirely movie focused. An episode came out today with the movie. Deep Water that Steve had picked, an Affleck, Ben Affleck movie. And Ana de Armas. Yeah. Um, that's it. always fun. We're trying to trying to line up maybe another guest or two. We're not really, if you, if you listen to our podcast, we're not really a guest podcast. And I don't have, a, we don't know a whole, whole lot of people. We had a great time when we got uh, Ben from One Credit Classics and all our past guests have been great. Uh, we just don't know a whole lot of people. So, I mean, there might be a point in time where we don't, it depends on how much effort I put into finding other people. There might be a point in time in the future. I mean, it's taken us what, two or three, however many years we're into this to get as far as we've gotten, but there may be a point in time where we don't do, do guests as much, do guests anymore at all. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to pan out in the long run, but we're trying to line somebody up now for the, uh, for the upcoming, uh, 70th episode. So, Try to look forward to that if you can. I just, I'm, I'm just not big into talking to a whole people in general, so I don't even know if those are our even if our guest episodes are even our best episodes. So who knows? Yeah, I don't know what to say about that. I mean, you don't, you don't really know too many more people than I do either. Well, I can find some people. It's not hard to find well, guests. Start, start looking for some people. Then I got a month. You got a, you got a month to find find a time. We we have a person with the, we we won't we won't say it here, but we have a person we think we want to grab uh, for episode seventy. So to stop the rambling now, again, thanks for the people who keep on listening uh, and sticking around and listening to this wacky little podcast talking about strange games. We try to keep this episode these up games episodes not as complainy as they possibly can be for games we didn't complete because we obviously we didn't complete games for various reasons. And we're clearly wrong. We, I mean, we're not wrong, I guess. We didn't like an aspect of Disco Elysium. It's getting huge. People love Disco Elysium. So maybe of the three games on this list, it's definitely, I would say, the best of the three games on this list. The try. most unique experience. And you can find it across all consoles now. I hear it's crashing a bunch on the Switch, which is not surprising since the Switch is a trash console. Other than that, I want to stop rambling and let Blake uh, wrap things up, and you'll hear Painted Wives' song, Congratulations, on the end. I want to wish everybody a good evening and good night. You guys ready to rock? Yeah!